my privilege to welcome you here to Sharp Chapel. Let's just take uh, one more brief moment in prayer, shall we? Father, we've thought just in that song that you are a holy God who is offended at our sin. And yet we want to thank you that you sent your son who came to seek and to save the lost. And we thank you for that picture of your heart in his uh, parable of the prodigal son, that you are the father who longs for the sinner to turn home. And we thank you for the illuminating work of your Holy Spirit in our hearts. We thank you for your truth and we pray, Lord, that you, you, you would unite our hearts that we may fear and praise your name. And make us, Lord, to be people who will have your heart for the lost. We ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen. There's a weird rumble behind me. Do you know what that is about? No? Um, my brother-in-law, um, Andy McDonald, is a sergeant in a police station in Glasgow. And one of the other things he does with the police is that he is part of a specialist unit, uh, the Strathglide Police Mountain Rescue. And so uh, at any time of day, he can get called out as part of this specialist unit to, to head into the, the hills, the mountains on the west side of, of Glasgow uh, just to uh, find those who've kind of lost their way. And quite often it falls to them to engage in the, in the difficult task of having to go out to recover uh, dead bodies uh, in the mountains. And I was chatting to him today about this, and the thing that consistently marks each of the missions he's had to do to recover bodies is that people wander off the path. And even people who have been seasoned uh, in walking the hills can get into all sorts of troubles when they walk off the path. Uh, he was involved in, uh, in one recovery mission with a man who had walked all the Munros, all the mountains over 3,000 feet in Scotland, all the Munros twice. And he was about to do complete the uh, the third time of walking all the Munros, and yet he walked off the path and uh, fell off a 10-meter drop, hit his head, and died. We get into terrible troubles when we wander from the path. And I just want to use that as just a very simple picture to get into our heads, and it helps me just to Think about these final closing verses of James chapter 5. So please open your Bibles to James chapter 5, page 1216 in the church Bibles. If you don't have one with you, just grab one of these red books here. James chapter 5, page 1216. And last week we examined verses 13 to 18. And I suggested it was teaching us about what to do when you're feeling spiritually weak. And weary. Uh, what should you do when you are so uh, wobbly as a Christian that you feel you can hardly pray for yourself? And we saw that James taught that you should encourage others to come and pray for you. Uh, if needed, bring the elders, invite the elders to come and pray for you if you're in that state. But what if people have drifted well beyond that point? 
where they just don't want any sort of spiritual input into their lives. What should we do then? And I think James continues in verses in verse 19 and 20. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is God's word. It's interesting, isn't it, that James does not close with sort of final greetings, benedictions, but with this charge to care for people within our church. It's, it's a, in some ways, this is a simple section, isn't it? And I just want to make three brief points and then urge us to consider how we might apply that in our lives. And my prayer has been that Lord, as, as Andy prayed in his prayer, the Lord would bring to our mind those that he wants us, as a result of his word today, that we would reach out to in this week ahead. So three simple things. Firstly, wandering. Notice with me that Christians can wander from the truth. My brothers, he says, speaking to these Christians in the churches that he's addressing, my brothers, if any one of you should wander from the truth, there is a real danger that we can head off the path of God's truth. There is a real danger that we can walk away from the Lord Jesus Christ All it requires is a small deviation from the path. And if we keep heading that way, we can be a long way from God and a long way from God's people. It is a theme that is repeated within the Bible. If you've been doing the McShane Bible readings and there's still some on the stairwells, then on Friday you will have read these words from the book of Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. This is the concern. And notice with me, our tendency is always to drift away from God and away from His gospel. We never drift casually towards God. Have you seen that in God's Word? No, uh, if there's no effort, if there's no thought, we will drift away from God. We always drift that way. And the writer of the book of Hebrews, he was addressing Christians who uh, were facing fierce opposition from society around them. But then the real issue was not so much that. He talks about his concern about where their hearts are at. The, the, The problem is that we have... Hearts that can become hard and unbelieving. And so yesterday you'll have read in the McShane reading Hebrews chapter 3. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. See to it, brothers. Again, he's addressing Christians. This is a challenge that we face as Christians. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away. We're in danger of drifting away. We're in danger of wandering away from the truth. Now, which animal does the Bible most often liken us to? Sheep. Sheep. What a thing to think about. Why sheep? Because of the tendency of sheep to wander away. Growing up in South Wales, 
uh, as you drive up into the valleys of Wales, what is not an uncommon sight is as you're speeding around a corner to see some sheep wandering down the road straight at your car. Wandering off from the fields, finding a way through the hedges, wandering into danger. And that's what the Bible says we're like. We are wandering from our shepherd God and wandering into all sorts of troubles, sin and danger. Isaiah 53, 6, famous verse, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him, this suffering servant, the iniquity of us all. You see, our spiritual wandering is never morally neutral. It is something that leads us away from God and leads us to sin and rebellion against God. And James is writing this letter to these Christians precisely because he wants, uh, he's concerned that they might in fact be wandering. He is quite concerned that uh, they are being double-minded. That they're torn between their friendship and love of God and, and, and in a sense they're uh, drawn to a false love of a godless world. And the things that this world offers uh, in opposition to God. And he's concerned that they're double-minded. And, and, it's, and it's quite fitting that his closing remarks are directed at those who've, who've been so double-minded they've headed way down this track and they've wandered far off. And that is why we need to heed this warning. Turn back to James chapter 1, verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. So be in no doubt that the Christian life is not always a, a walk in the park on a dry day. It can often be more like walking in treacherous mountains with low-lying uh, clouds. I gave up on Munro's. Uh, I kept climbing up them and was surrounded in clouds. I couldn't see a thing. What's the point? You can just get photographs when the sun's out. That's, that's my... It's dangerous too. Uh, sometimes you get good view, but I don't. I always walk in cloud in, in Scotland. And often the Christian life is like that. Low-lying cloud, fog. You only see a few steps ahead along the path. And the Christian life can be treacherous in that way. And that is why, as a church, we need to be a spiritual version of the mountain uh, rescue team. We need to be the soul rescuing team. And James wants to enlist us all into this uh, unit. It's not a specialist unit. It's a unit for all God's people to be engaged in, to be in the soul rescue team. Because of wandering, we need as Christians to be about the business of rescuing and restoring people back to the path of truth and safety. So that's my second point, rescuing. Bringing people back. My brothers, verse 19 of chapter 5. My brothers, if any one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring him back. Again, notice with me that as a Christian, we have a duty not only to watch over our own salvation, but the salvation of others. 
So as James finishes this very practical letter, he wants to enlist the whole congregation to engage in this work of mutual love and care and watchfulness over other believers. And James presumes, I guess, in this statement that we know who's a part of our Christian fellowship. He presumes that we would notice when people start wandering from the truth. And I, I, I would lovingly suggest that the bigger the church is, the greater the challenges in this. It is very easy in a large church for people to get lost. And actually, it is a great joy and privilege to be part of a large church. How encouraging to sing with hundreds of people God's praises. But if we want to really enjoy that privilege, then what we need to have is a very uh, more determined and committed approach to really knowing one another. And it takes a lot of effort to do so. It speaks of a, of a warmth and a depth of relationship that requires a real investment of time. And one of the key ways that we seek to develop a sense of relationship in this church is through membership. Uh, and for those who are regular attenders who are enjoying the life and ministry of this church, but you haven't become members, can I ask you why? Why are you um, choosing to remain remote from your brothers and sisters in Christ? Now we rejoice at Charlotte Chapel on our Sundays that there are many guests here every Sunday. There are many visitors, there are many tourists who visit this city. Um, we have uh, Christians uh, from other parts of um, Scotland and the UK who happen to be come, uh, uh, here in Edinburgh and they come on a Sunday. We rejoice to see that. Uh, we have non-Christians who come regularly uh, to listen in. They're exploring the Christian faith and we're so excited that that is the case. But the elders are quite clear that, that, that everyone who turns up on a Sunday in this public meeting is not the church. The church is made up of those who have chosen to become members together in this body. Uh, it is those who have uh, gone through a process where they've been asked about their testimony. We know whether they're a believer or not. And that they've chosen to commit to loving, mutual care and fellowship within this church. That's what the membership thing is about at uh, Charlotte Chapel. And so uh, you are assigned to an elder. And we have uh, over 20 elders. And each elder is given specifically 30 souls to care for, to watch over, to pray for. The fellowship groups are linked to that. Because we want to take seriously the charge that is given to us as elders to watch over the flock. To care for souls. And um, we do so through fellowship groups midweek. Uh, we do so as elders when we meet, uh, we meet twice a month. Once a month for business. Once a month to consider the pastoral needs of the flock. To talk about individuals where they're at to pray for members. And... Uh, one of the things you'll get if you become a member is a, is a directory. And uh, the thing about the directory is it's, it's handy for numbers, yes. But the point is, is, that, is to pray through it. So that, that's how you get to know this many people. I can actually tell who's new here, who's not been here regularly. Just because I'm praying through the membership directory. These are some of the practical steps that we're trying to take to genuinely love and care for one another 
in a, in a large congregation like Charlotte Chapel. And what I want to say to you is if you've not taken this step of commitment into membership, why? And I want to lovingly say that you're in greater spiritual danger for that. If, if you're accountable to no one, if no one knows to watch out for you, if no one is, is keeping an eye on you, praying for you, you're in greater spiritual danger. Um, but do you notice from this verse, it's not just the job of the elders, is it? It doesn't specifically mention the elders. If someone should bring him back, I think the elders do have a special responsibility and care, but actually James is saying that every single member of this church, every single Christian has a duty to this sort of spiritual watchfulness and care of others. And we do have so many people in this church who are committed to this. It really does thrill and rejoice my heart as I see so many who regularly um, stick around after church to talk to people who are great at looking at seeing who's new, who's looking discouraged to come alongside, who will offer to pray for people, who will follow people after, uh, after this meeting throughout the week, who invite others to come to their homes for lunch, who, who are offering meals for those who are struggling and discouraged. Uh, it is a wonderful ministry that uh, is something we can all engage in. And let me tell you, you do not need special permission. If you come to this church and thinking, well, what can I do? There's nothing to do. Oh, my friend, there is so much to do. Uh, love and care for those around you. Get to know, I don't know them. Get to know them. Push past the embarrassment of saying, I'm, I've, I, I know your, your face. You've been here for longer than I have, but I've, we've never talked. Let's talk. Push beyond the embarrassment of saying, are you new here? No, I've been coming here two years. doesn't matter. Better to have the conversation than not. It is, it is only uh, in the warmth of genuine relationships of love and care will we be a church that notices when people are wandering. And my friends who I see regularly rushing out the doors as soon as the service is over, you're missing out. And we're missing out on your love and care and watchfulness in this fellowship. You see, the first signs of wandering generally are not that people stop turning up. There are other signs that precede that. Uh, people can just get so discouraged, just feel lonely, not feel wanted, not feel cared for. Uh, in conversation, you can find evidences of people's hearts starting to get hard as you, as you just hear bitterness or grumbling or gossiping or people who are just prickly. Um, or people who just sort of lose an interest in God's words. Never seem to talk about Christ and his gospel. These are, these are signs that if we'll listen carefully and care for one another, that we'll observe that maybe uh, that people are beginning to wander from the path of truth. And how better to, to engage lovingly with people at those stages than, than to let it go to that final stage. Often the, the, the last key stage is that people just give up coming to church. They just think, what's the point? And I have to confess, one of the challenges I find as a pastor with, what, sort of 580 members, is that weeks can go by before it dawns on me that I haven't seen that person for a while. Sometimes people say, oh, have we seen that person? I say, 
you know, I haven't and I hadn't even thought about it. Uh, this, this church cannot be pastored by one man. It isn't. It can't just be pastored by 20 elders. It, it can't be. It needs all the congregation to uh, heed James's call for this mutual watchfulness and love and care and engagement in each, in each other's lives. And perhaps there are people coming to your mind right now and you're thinking, yeah, I, I haven't seen her. I haven't seen him for months now. Is there someone that the Lord's bringing to your mind? What should you do? What should you do? We should go after them. That's what we should do this week. We should go after them and bring them back. Don't presume that somebody else is going to do it. This is the great danger of a large church, isn't it? Someone else will do it. No, if you've thought about that person, why don't you go after them this week? Each of us has given this charge to go after wandering sheep. We're called to be these soul rescuers. To search out those who wander from the path of truth and lovingly see, seek to bring them back to safety. That's, that's what James says. And so if, someone, if the Lord's brought something to your mind, why don't you pick up the phone this week, call them? Why don't you email them? If you're popping by their house, want to knock on the door and say hi? Ask after them. Now, it could be that they're sick. And, uh, well, you can get some friends to come alongside with some practical help. It could be that they're on vacation. It could be that they decide to go to another church. And if that's the case, pray for them and encourage them to make sure it's a good church. And uh, let the elders know and get them to member up there and transfer their membership there. We rejoice that there are so many great churches in this town. Um, We don't think we're the only ones. And we rejoice to see others prosper. But it could be that we investigate and we find out they're going nowhere. That they've actually been snared to go back into the kind of the old life, basically pursuing the, the sort of the godless things they were doing before they became a Christian. And, they, and, and they're a long way from him. And, and the word here for bringing back is a repentance word. It's about calling people to repent from their sin, to turn back from their sin and their selfishness to come back to Christ. And we need to do this wisely, don't we? Um, There are a few people who like to confront. They're scary people. And And the challenge here is not just to simply go out and confront people or even to convict people. Our goal is to convert people, to bring them back. And that requires a certain wisdom and, and gentleness, doesn't it? If our goal actually is more than just confrontation, but actually to draw them back into the fellowship. What are we saying? Um, Jesus is seeking the wanderers, yet why do they roam? Love only waits to forgive and forget. Home, weary wanderer, home. Wonderful love dwells in the heart of the Father of love. And that's, that's what motivates our hearts, isn't it? 
It's a very challenging ministry. Uh, I don't know whether you've had to confront someone who's really wandered far off and has made sinful choices. It's a difficult thing to do. Uh, I've never enjoyed it. Most people don't like confrontation. Um, If if I'm about to make a call like that, um, my stomach is all cramped up. I want to put off the call. Uh, It seems such an awkward thing to do. Why would you do it? What would motivate you to, to engage in something that can sometimes be difficult and awkward? And Well, we need to remember certain things. And that's the third point from verse 20. This will motivate us to keep remembering this. Verse 20, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is what the person who brings the wanderer back needs to know. It's a command. Know this. This is going to help us find courage to care and love for the sheep who are wandering off. Be in no doubt, James says, that this ministry of bringing people back is a salvation ministry. Literally, in the original, it says that that they will save uh, save his soul from death. You'll save his soul from death. And so what's talking, what we're talking about here is eternal salvation from hell to heaven. That's what we're talking about. I saw a picture on Facebook that someone posted of, a, of two escalators. And one escalator is going down and at the bottom there's sort of flames flicking up. Another escalator going up into the light. It was a stark picture and uh, that's the spiritual reality we're talking about. Eternal destinies. Heaven and hell. And this, this thing, as people wander off from the path of, of the gospel and the truth and wander far from, from Christ in unrepentant sin, they, they are heading to hell. And so this ministry of rescuing is a salvation ministry. It is an eternal salvation ministry. It is that significant. And so if we're thinking, well, is it worth it? It's all a bit awkward. Remember, heaven is real. Hell is real. It matters the choices that we make. And those who are wandering and go off and unrepentantly are lost. And we need to bring them back to the Christ who will lovingly receive them. At that point, the only thing that's at issue is is love, isn't it? Do we love them enough to overcome that discomfort in our parts, to have some slightly awkward conversations. To risk, yes, being misunderstood. To risk, perhaps, that they might even get angry with us. To be risked to shove off and leave me alone. But love will take that risk. Love will reach out. Love will pursue. I remember watching an American uh, sitcom, Seinfeld, a few years ago, and they got this. I was quite shocked to see Seinfeld talking about these issues. Uh, Elaine, if you've never seen it, don't worry. You don't have to watch it. Elaine discovers that her boyfriend is a Christian. And she discovers it because she drives his car and all his presets are to Christian stations. And so she confronts her boyfriend. Are you a Christian? Yes, the boyfriend said. And she said, and you didn't tell me? And he said, no. She said, well, don't you care that I'm not a Christian? And he said, I'm not the one going to hell. On to the next scene. Well, 
the, the sitcom goes on and days go by and Elaine is stewing on this. And finally she confronts the boyfriend and she said, if you really loved me and you really thought that hell was real, you would want to, me to become a Christian. You'd want to convince me to go there. You don't really love me. Well, secular Jewish people get it. These are real things. And if we lovingly care, we will go on rescue missions and reach out. And, and, and here's such an encouragement at the final part of James chapter 5. To know that if we go after them, that the Lord will receive them. This phrase, cover over a multitude of sins. We should be in no doubt that there is forgiveness of sins for the wanderer. Be in no doubt about this. We, we read where this phrase cover over sin comes from. It comes from Psalm 32. We read it earlier. This beautiful description. Oh, how blessed. Oh, how happy is the man whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered over. Alec Motier uses this illustration that sometimes as we uh, plan for the future, we set aside a sum of money saying that will cover it. Because we know that uh, when the bill comes, it will be paid in full and it will be forgotten. And, and, and that's the beautiful phrase that's being used here. To know that uh, Christ's sacrifice upon the cross, as he chose to go to the cross for us, that his sacrificial blood pays a full and total sufficient payment for all our sins. He will not just cover over sins, he'll cover over a multitude of sins. And as we think, well, this person has wandered so far, my friends, be in no doubt that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will cover over a multitude of sins. And I think we need to encourage those who've gone a long way off. Sometimes you, you reach out and people say, I know, I've wandered so far, I feel awful, I feel terrible. There's no hope for me, there's no way back. There's no way, I've done this too many times, there's no way that God will forgive me. And we can say, do you know what? Uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his death upon the cross will cover over a multitude of sins. That's wonderful, isn't it? And so, uh, King, King David, in that Psalm 32, he talks about how awful it was to, to feel the weight of his sin stewing in his soul, how awful that was. And maybe there's someone here today, and maybe you're thinking, I've wandered too far from God. I've done too many things, too many times. There's no way back. There's no hope for me. It's, I'm a hopeless case. Well, read Psalm 32. David felt that weight of guilt in him until he confessed his sins. And he says, and the Lord forgave my sins. And so he starts to sum how blessed it is to be one of those whose transgressions are, are forgiven, whose sin is covered over, my friends. Why do you wait in that stew of sin and guilt and failure? Come, weary wanderer, home. You'll forgive all your sins. What a, what a gospel, what a message, it's the best news. Why would you wait? Love only waits to forgive and forget. Come, weary wanderer, home. If you're not a Christian today, can I just say, come to Christ. He'll forgive you your sin. You can turn to him even today. 
you're not sure what to do, come and speak to me, come and speak to someone else. But it's simply a matter of, of saying sorry to him for your sins, of thanking him for sending his son to die upon the cross, and saying, please forgive me and please change me so that uh, Jesus will be in charge of my life. We'd love to help you. Uh, if you've got questions of the Christianity Explored course, it's happening in Costa Coffee this week. It'll be week three. I'm sure they'll let you in. And uh, you can ask your questions and learn more. Are you a Christian and yet you are disconnected from any church or fellowship? Can I just say, why? Uh, re- really ask yourself, why am I standing apart from God's people? Are you ashamed to identify with God's people? You just don't want any accountability in your life? That would be a warning sign to me that your heart maybe is beginning to wander. And as members here of Christ the Redeemer, is there someone the Lord's been putting on our hearts today? I'd encourage my brother elders to go you know, review your list of 30 souls uh, later today at some stage and think about where they're at. And if the Lord's been laying someone on your heart today, why don't you reach out to them in some way this week? Remind them that we love them. We miss them. Can we get together? Can we talk? See what's going on? How can we help? Remind them of this wonderful grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bring them home. Let's pray. Well, Father, we want to thank you that it is finished. All the debt is paid. That your justice has been satisfied in the full atonement that the Lord Jesus made upon the cross. Father, we want to thank you that you welcome sinners who repent and put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for Lord, for doing that in our lives. And Father, we are concerned for those who seem to rejoice in these things and yet are wandering. Draw them back and Lord, please use us, we ask in this coming week, to do that ministry of reaching out. And we'll give you all the praise and glory in Christ's precious name. Amen.